Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CGI fourth quarter and fiscal 2021 conference call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Mayor Yagi, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. Yagi. Thank you, Julian, and good morning, everyone. With me to discuss CGI's fourth quarter fiscal 2021 results are George Schindler, our President and CEO, and Francois Boulanger, Executive Vice President and CFO. This call is being broadcast on CGI.com and recorded live at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, November 10, 2021. Supplemental slides, as well as the press release we issued earlier this morning, are available for download, along with our Q4 MDNA financial statements and accompanying notes, all of which have been filed with both CEDAR and EDGAR. Please note that some statements made on the call may be forward-looking, Actual events or results may differ materially from those expressed or implied, and CGI disclaims any intent or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. The complete safe harbor statement is available in both our MDNA and press release, as well as on CGI.com. We encourage our investors to read it in its entirety. We are reporting our financial results in accordance with International Financial Reporting Standards, or IFRS. As always, we will also discuss non-GAAP performance measures, which should be viewed as supplemental. The MDNA contains definitions of each one used in our reporting. And all of the dollar figures expressed on this call are Canadian unless otherwise noted. I'll turn it over now to Francois to review our Q4 financial results. And then George will comment on our business and market outlook. Francois? Thank you, Mayer, and good morning, everyone. I am pleased with our Q4 performance as revenue growth and operational discipline contributed to double-digit EPS accretion and increased cash from operations. Our year-over-year constant currency revenue growth accelerated in Q4 as previously booked orders began to flow into revenues. We delivered 15% adjusted EPS growth. We generated strong cash flow from operation up 7.1% year-over-year in Q4, bringing the last 12-month total to over $2 billion, an increase of 9.1% year-over-year. And we strengthened our balance sheet by executing our first public debt issuance, both in the U.S. and in Canada. This was supported by strong investment-grade credit ratings from both Standard & Poor's and Moody's. For Q4, we delivered revenue of $3 billion, up 6.4% year-over-year on a constant currency basis. This is an acceleration from the 3.5% growth in Q3. Double-digit growth in constant currency was achieved in the following geographies. Western and Southern Europe, up 13.6%. Asia-Pacific, up 11.5%. U.S. commercial and state government, up 11.1%. Canada, up 10.5%. And Central and Eastern Europe, up 10.1%. This was driven by strong demand in the following industries. Healthcare grew 10.8%. MRD grew 9.9%. And financial services grew 6.4%. Total bookings of $2.9 billion, representing a book-to-bill of 97.1% for the quarter, while our trailing 12 months book-to-bill stands at 114.2%, up 17% year-over-year. I would like to highlight a few reporting segments with strong bookings in the quarter. U.S. commercial and state government with a book-to-bill of 117%, U.K. and Australia at 111%, and U.S. federal at 110%. New business in the quarter was 31% of bookings, an increase from the previous year's 
On a trailing 12-month basis, new business was 32% of bookings versus 25% for the year ago. Given the continued increase in demand for our services, are as if reflected by the strong bookings in the last 12 months, we expect continued positive growth trends in fiscal 2022. We finished our 2021 fiscal year with a backlog of $23.1 billion. Adjusted EBIT in Q4 was $493 million, while EBIT margins increased to 16.4%, up 76 basis points compared to Q4 last year. The year-over-year increase was mainly due to higher utilization rates and lower non-recurring project adjustments. We saw strong margin improvements in U.S. federal with margins up 350 basis points, as well as U.S. commercial and Scandinavia, both showing 170 basis point improvements. This was partially offset by lower margins in Canada due to lower tax credits this year, as well in the U.K. due to a non-recurring contract provision. Our effective tax rate in Q4 was 25.5%. We continue to expect our tax rate for future quarters to be in the range of 245 to 26.5%. Net earnings were $346 million, and diluted earnings per share were $1.39, representing an increase of 44.8% year-over-year. This improvement was mainly due to revenue growth, margin improvement, and lower restructuring costs. Excluding integration and restructuring costs, net earnings were $347 million for a margin of 11.5%, and diluted earnings per share were $1.40, an accretion of 14.8% when compared to $1.22 in the same quarter last year. In the quarter, DSO was 45 days, down from 47 days last year. Cash provided by operating activities was $527 million, an increase of 7.1% year over year. Net debt to capitalization declined quarter over quarter to 26.6% from 30.9% in Q3. We are proud as an organization to have a new group of investors in our company through our inaugural bond offering raising in the process $1.8 billion across the U.S. and in Canada. We used a large portion of these funds to prepay the $1.25 billion U.S. loan facility that was due in 2023. More importantly with this debt raise, the weighted average maturity of our debts has increased from 1.6 years to 4.7 years, with 91% being fixed interest debt versus floating interest debt. For the last 12 months, cash provided by operating activities was $2.1 billion, or 17.4% of revenue. This is an improvement of $177 million year over year. In fiscal 2021, we invested $1.9 billion in our build and buy profitable growth strategy, comprised of $301 million back into our business, mainly in IP and managed services engagements. $99 million on business acquisition, and $1.5 billion to buy back our stock. Buying back CGI stock has been an accretive and flexible way to return capital to our shareholders. In fiscal 2021, we bought back 15.3 million shares at an average price of $98.16. As of the end of Q4, the company could purchase up to an additional 10 million shares under the current NCIB program. Looking ahead, our cash allocation priority remains the same, investing in our business, pursuing accretive acquisitions, and buying back our stock. With cash of $1.7 billion on hand and a $1.5 billion revolver that remains fully accessible, we have $3.2 billion readily available. In addition, we now have access to the public debt market to support our build and buy profitable growth strategy. Now. I will turn the call over to George to provide perspectives on fiscal year 2021 and on our business for the year ahead. George? Thank you, Francois, and good morning, everyone. I am pleased with our team's performance in the fourth quarter and full fiscal year. I would like to recognize our now 80,000 consultants and professionals around the world 
for their tremendous commitment to delivering end-to-end -end digital value for our clients. Through the expertise, insights, and disciplined project delivery of our team and the continued trust of our clients, CGI returned to revenue growth for the second half and created incremental shareholder value. For fiscal 2021, we delivered double-digit GAAP and adjusted EPS accretion, a 9% increase in cash from operations, and a nearly $2 billion increase in bookings. This morning, I'll provide more context on the fundamental components of our business that contributed to this strong full-year performance. Specifically, our diverse presence across industry sectors and regions, and our proven delivery of end-to-end -end digital services. Starting with revenue, we finished the year with revenue of $12.1 billion. And in line with our projections for growth in the second half of fiscal 2021, CGI grew 4.9% on a constant currency basis compared to the second half of last year. Growth was broad-based across every industry sector during the second half, with constant currency growth of 8.9% in manufacturing, retail, and consumer services, driven by Western and Southern Europe with 18.5% growth, 8.4% in healthcare, led by Central and Eastern Europe with 44% growth, 6.1% in financial services, with Scandinavia delivering just over 9% growth, and 4.2% in communications and utilities, led by U.S. commercial and state government at 47% growth. Our government business also grew in the second half at 1.4%, even as clients continued to reprioritize their IT investments in line with the changing public health and economic environment. We remain well positioned as a partner of choice to help governments address a wide range of domestic priorities, including infrastructure, environment and the climate, and cybersecurity. We believe this strong second half performance demonstrates CGI's role as a leading digital services partner, positioning us well for future growth. As clients accelerate spending to capture the increased benefits of digitization for their customers and employees. This strong client demand environment drove our robust bookings on a full year basis with a book to bill of 114%. We sustained our incumbency with enterprise clients and were also awarded net new projects and expanded scope, growing our share of client spend. Recent new awards for digital transformation services in the fourth quarter included the following. Canadian Bank selected CGI to help with its business transformation journey. CGI will lead the modernization and migration of client interaction platforms to the cloud. Volkswagen Group UK awarded CGI a five-year managed services contract to implement enterprise automation to improve employee productivity as well as support their sustainable mobility strategy. Valley Bank in the U.S. awarded CGI new work to support the bank's omni-channel digital enablement, drawing on our capabilities in robotic process automation, machine learning, and application modernization and the U.S. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services will leverage CGI's digital modernization services to move legacy platforms into the cloud. In the year, bookings were strong across several industry sectors. In manufacturing, retail, and consumer services, bookings were up 16% over last year, with a book-to-bill of 115%. Bookings increased based on demand for omni-channel transformation, supply chain modernization, and data analytics. Government and healthcare bookings were up nearly 13%, with a 115% book to bill for the year, based on continued demand in citizen and patient services, application modernization, and cloud. Financial services bookings were up 20%, with a book to bill of 111% for the year. This was led by strong demand in the insurance sector for transformational managed services to enhance customer and employee experience while delivering cost efficiencies. And communications and utilities bookings were up 27% year over year with a book to bill of 114%. This uptick led by strong demand from utilities providers to help address climate risk and the energy transition. Moving to our fiscal year 2021 profitability, adjusted EPS accretion of 11% was delivered through a combination of revenue growth, improved business mix, operational excellence, and share buybacks. 
Our EBIT expanded to 16.1%, up 78 basis points year over year. An important element of our improved business mix is business and strategic IT consulting, where demand accelerated in the second half of the year, notably for business model transformation, change management, customer experience design, and digital advisory services. We continue to invest in talent, methods, and accelerators to support our growth in high-end consulting services. CGI's proprietary industry-specific blueprints, as well as cross-industry ecosystem frameworks, are designed to help our clients navigate the changing business models and evolving value chains. Intellectual property revenue remains steady at 21% of our overall revenue mix, despite the volume headwinds and our transaction-based IP solutions, specifically those related to travel services. We saw significant growth in revenue from new solutions, including 50% year-over-year growth in IP acquired through recent mergers, demonstrating CGI's ability to leverage our global footprint to expand the reach of acquired services and solutions. We also saw significant growth in our Open Grid 360 platform, which helps clients manage the energy transition. We expect continued strong demand for this solution as part of CGI's suite of sustainability offerings, which we are highlighting during COP26 in Glasgow through the end of this week. SaaS-based IP revenue was also up year over year in line with overall increases in demand for cloud-based solutions. Closing out the fiscal 2021 review and setting the stage for growth in fiscal 2022 was our strong cash generation. As we shared throughout the year, our financial strength anchors CGI's resilience and enables continued investment in our build and buy growth strategy. Last quarter, I shared with you some of the findings from our proprietary research, notably the characteristics of leading digital organizations. I will now highlight a few of our delivery successes from the past year in helping clients realize the full potential of their digitization. For one of the world's largest communication and media companies, we are delivering Digital Design Studio as a Service, which combines consulting and managed services to create a unified vision for customer experience across multiple commercial platforms, 30 products, and more than 50 development teams. This is improving the company's agility and reducing their overall time to market. For a leading global financial services company, we're helping to redesign, digitize, and automate all business operation processes for their retail banking line of business. To deliver on this complex enterprise project, a multi-short team has been established to join up our industry and technology experts across Canada, the Czech Republic, Germany, India, Poland, and Spain. We are supporting the French Agency for Ecological Transition in digitizing their ecosystem partner network to enhance public-private collaboration on the energy transition. Implementation of a new Salesforce-based customer relationship management platform is underway to provide them better visibility into their partners and case management across functional teams. Together with the Swedish Traffic Administration, we are pioneering the collection of driver-based friction data to provide a real-time view on current road conditions, hazards, and potential road maintenance issues. Our solution uses sensor-based data and crowdsourcing to gather and analyze millions of data points to help the agency ensure driver safety. CGI implemented a new cloud-based policy administration and agent portal system for a leading U.S. insurer's commercial products business. By migrating them from a legacy solution to the cloud-based guidewire platform, we help reduce their product time to market. And for a leading interbank payments network, CGI is migrating its e-transfer compute capabilities to an on-premise cloud deployment in Microsoft Azure with the aim to improve resiliency and performance of a national payment system. These are just a few of the examples of how we are collaborating with clients to develop and drive their transformational strategies. You will have the opportunity to hear more about our digital capabilities at the upcoming Investor and Market Analyst Day on November 22nd. I'm pleased to host this event along with Francois and Julie Gaudin, our co-chair of the board. Joining us on the virtual stage will be the presidents of our operating segments and our global executives responsible for talent, M&A, marketing, and investor relations. 
Together, we will tell you more about our vision, growth agenda, industry expertise, global alliances, and capital allocation strategy, as well as take live questions. Importantly, the day will begin with an overview of CGI's talent strategy. As a leading professional services term firm, we believe engaging our existing talent and attracting new candidates is always our most important investment. In fiscal 2021, we continue to increase our investments in learning and development programs, including virtual boot camps and online learning. During the year, we surpassed 380,000 courses completed in CGI's online university to deepen employees' skills in key areas of client demand, such as cloud, data science, AI, customer experience, and business consulting. Our hiring continues to be on pace to surpass pre-pandemic levels. Our ownership culture continues to be a key differentiator in attracting the best consultants and experts in our industry. In fact, our employees referred over 30% of our new hires to join them in working at CGI this past year. We also continue to invest in industry-leading programs for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and employee health and well-being. Over the past year, our programs were recognized by several external organizations, including the Human Rights Campaign Foundation for our policies and practices promoting LGBTQ workplace equality in the U.S. Enterprise En Santé in Canada for our global network of mental health champions and certified mental health first aiders. Jobs for Her for our diversity hiring and learning and development programs for women across Asia Pacific. Universum for being selected by female IT professionals as the best ideal employer in Finland. And the Diversity Charter in Germany for the creation of an innovative tool to ensure job advertisements are gender neutral. During the Investor and Market Analyst event, we will also provide a briefing on our plans to accelerate the buy side of our profitable growth strategy. To start fiscal 2022, we received government approvals for and subsequently closed two new mergers in October. Array, a digital services firm primarily in the U.S. federal market, which will expand our client relationships in the strategic markets of the U.S. Air Force and the Space Command while deepening our offerings in modernization and DevOps. And CMC, which is a leading technology and management consulting firm primarily serving the Spanish market. This merger expands our client proximity footprint in key metro markets as Madrid and Barcelona, extends our global delivery network, deepens our capacity to deliver digital transformation in the region, and brings new relationships with enterprise clients in the IBEX 35. I would like to take this opportunity to warmly welcome the over 1,770 new consultants and technology experts joining CGI from these two firms. As we enter fiscal year 2022, we are confident in our positioning to provide the best services and solutions to our prospective and current clients around the world, particularly given our industry and technology expertise, along with the ability to hire and build the necessary capacity to achieve our growth agenda. We remain committed to executing our growth strategy through both build and buy. Our capital allocation priorities are aligned to drive continued revenue growth and double-digit earnings per share accretion. Thank you for your interest. Let's go to the questions now, Matt. Thank you, George. And uh, Julianne now will uh, let you all know how uh, you can uh, queue up for Q&A. So, uh, Julianne. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star one again. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Richard C. from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead, your line is open. Yes, uh, thanks. Uh, so your ability to sort of expand margins here in a fairly tight labor market is uh, pretty impressive. Can you maybe walk through you know, some of the levers that you may be pulling to uh, not just preserve those margins, but expand them? Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Richard. Uh, as you know, we have a, a pretty uh, robust model and uh, a measurement process here at CGI that we, uh, we really uh, stick to. It's called the CGI Management Foundation, and that's really built for a professional services uh, firm. And so we believe we can continue to grow and, uh, and grow our margins at the same time. 
Of course, when you when you think about our, our margin, some of that's coming from revenue growth and the uh, and the scale that that uh, provides us. Some of that's coming from the business mix, and I highlighted in the opening remarks both consulting and uh, intellectual property. Some of it comes from our operational excellence, and that's a discipline that comes with the management foundation. And then, uh, of course, some of that expansion is coming from the share buyback. So it really is a combination of all of the above. And, uh, you know, given the outlook and the demand outlook, we expect that to continue. Okay. Yeah, I think you touched briefly on sort of hiring um, in your comments here. Can you maybe give us uh, some context in terms of the, the number of headcount, uh, open headcount positions um, you know, versus what it may have been a year ago or two years ago? Yeah, the uh, well, the headcount is uh, is is up uh, significantly, and you know you're comparing. You know, if you compare over a year ago, that was the uh, the, the beginning of the pandemic. You almost have to go back to uh, to 2019 to look at it, but uh, it's up against where we were uh, pre uh, pre pandemic, and uh, and rising in uh, essentially in every uh, strategic market that we're uh, that we're dealing in. And uh, you know, but it's interesting when you look at uh, at talent. It is more intense at the current uh, at the current place, given the, uh, the the heavy demand for technology and digitization services. But it's it is part of the of the business uh, of CGI. So we're employing all the same uh, tactics and strategies that we do uh, throughout the uh, throughout the years, and uh, and and working. It's working very well. Okay, and just one last quick one for me. Like the growth uh, is clearly quite broad-based geographically and by vertical here. How much do you think that uh, is coming from you know the catch-up with uh, you know the reopenings following the lockdowns of last year versus kind of a more normalized run rate, or do you think this is a, the normalized run rate going forward? That's it. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Thanks for the question, uh, Richard. Uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of this is uh, I mentioned this before. When, when we went through the pandemic, I think it it, uh, it, it put a spotlight on some of the uh, the weaknesses in uh, in various technology platforms. It also raised the expectations of uh, of employees and uh, of customers for digitization. So I, I think you, you could argue that some of this is is catch up, but it's more of uh, catch up from uh, from uh, some technology debt that they weren't even aware of. So it's not just catch up of a delayed project. I think it's more broad based than that, and therefore it's going to be uh, longer lived than that. Great, thank you. Your next question comes from Thanos Moskopoulos from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Good morning, uh, George. Maybe just expanding on the um, uh, hiring question. Um, can you speak to retention, how that's been trending, and um, how, how you feel you're tracking relative to your industry peers? Yeah, so um, we're, here's where we are with turnover. It's it's up, but it's still on a trailing 12-month basis, uh, slightly less than our pre-pandemic levels. And uh, speaking of catch-up, I think there was a little bit of catch-up that occurred, uh, more than a lot of lot of movements going on uh, right at the height of the pandemic, and uh, and and we're seeing and experiencing that just like our peers. We continue to be um, at or below in uh, in all of our uh, key markets, we do track that uh, versus the industry average, and I think a lot of that is because of the uh, of the culture of CGI and uh, and particularly our, our ownership uh, model, which uh, which plays into that. And if you look at why people uh, want to leave, it's uh, it's usually career development, and uh, that's why we've uh, doubled down and actually increasing our uh, training. Uh, programs by another 33% here in fiscal 2022. Uh, it's the compensation and benefits that come with that career development, and so we uh, we're doing uh, lots of uh, promotions as a result of the of the training. And then it's purpose, and uh, of course, in a uh, in a in a culture like CGI ownership culture, where we have the uh, the clear uh, equilibrium between our three stakeholders and the strong support for the communities in which we live and work. It uh, really speaks to purpose. So uh, we, we believe we can continue to hold our own. Like I said, it's a more intense environment right now. So there is a lot of, uh, a lot of movements, but uh, that's why I really focus on those employee referrals as well, uh, because that's the way we can tap into talent. And then the last part is, is really uh, tapping into to talent in those global delivery centers, not just offshore, but also those onshore, nearshore centers, which uh, 
which are growing at twice the twice the rate as uh, as the rest of the company. Great. And um, looking at the U.S. federal business, um, I know that the book to bill is above one, but year over year bookings were down a fair bit. Uh, I presume that's related to some of the budget delays in the U.S. Um, if you could provide some color just in terms of, you know, when you think that might resolve and, and what you're seeing as far as pipeline and timing uh, in that business. Yeah, specific to the to the U.S. market or just in general? U, U.S. federal. Yeah, no, U.S. federal specifically. Well, U.S. federal, you saw the, the bookings were actually uh, above uh, 100% for the, uh, for the fourth quarter. So we're seeing some of that uh, movement occurring. Government in general, uh, including the U.S. federal market, has been a bit sluggish. I call it the, the kind of COVID hangover, fighting with, uh, with various, uh, do we do a mandate, do we not do a mandate on vaccines, uh, do we do a booster, do we not do a booster. Uh, there's a lot of that uh, kind of uh, dominating some of the agenda. But I would, I would uh, say both in the U.S. and uh, around the world, there are a lot of domestic priorities that we're well positioned for. Uh, interestingly enough, if you look at the infrastructure bill that, uh, that was passed by the uh, by the House, and and looks like it will become uh, it will become real, uh, a lot of that work actually comes to the state and local governments, and so a lot of that's grants to state and local governments. So that will help our U.S. commercial and state and government business, but the federal business really will be helped by a lot of the infrastructure is actually cybersecurity infrastructure and Department of Homeland Security and other areas. So we're, again, very well positioned for that. So we like where, where things are heading, but uh, you're right, it's been, uh, it's been a bit sluggish uh, as of late, and, and you see that. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans. Like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Great. Thanks, George. I'll pass the line. Your next question comes from Paul Steep from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Great. Morning, George. Could you speak a little bit more? You, you comment about accelerating the investment in the business into 22. Maybe talk about, you know, whether that's a larger magnitude that you and Francois want to talk to or, you know, where that those investment dollars might be getting redirected. You know, some of your comments earlier about robotic process automation and maybe other areas of investment. Yeah, well, you know, uh, part of that uh, part of that investment is on the on the training and uh, development. I mentioned a 33% increase in our training uh, budgets around the world, and that's really to make sure that we're uh, keeping pace with the demand that's out there. Uh, you know, one part is hiring; the other part is retaining your people and giving them the growth that uh, that they need as they uh, as they pivot to the uh, to the new opportunities. So. Um, that's that's one part of it. Of course, uh, another part of it is we are also increasing the investments in our intellectual property. I mentioned uh, some of the opportunities we see with the changes we made in the IP group, uh, uh, the opportunities to spread our IP into broader markets, also string the IP together, and then uh, also create some new IP for uh, for the sustainability opportunity. So that's uh, that's another one. But then, of course, uh, you know, we also have uh, investments 
to grow uh, our buy side. And so I don't know, Francois, yeah, and, a little bit about that. You know, already uh, we started the year with uh, two acquisitions that we closed in October. So uh, versus last year, we finished with uh, uh, two for the full year. So it's a, it's a great uh, start for, for, for 2022. And uh, the expectation is that that will be accelerating in the future quarters. So that, that uh, you can expect more. Great. Um, one cleanup just on operations. How should we think what used to be Northern Europe, but I think it's mainly in Scandinavia where we were running off um, some business that maybe wasn't a fit for you and the clients and you transitioned them. How close to the completion of that are we where we might see start to see so hopefully an inflection in that region towards more growth in the future? Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for the, the question. So we've, we've now isolated uh, the issues really in just two metro markets. Uh, otherwise, we're strong, uh, both on bottom line and uh, returning to growth. We made leadership changes in those uh, metro markets. And uh, our COO, Jean-Michel, is now focused. Now he can travel. He's been there half a dozen times since, uh, since the summer. Um, we're focused on margin first, and so you see the, uh, the improvements going on margin, and then the, uh, the revenue follow. But the, the good news is we've isolated now to just a, a couple metro markets, and uh, I think you'll, you'll start to see a gradual improvement over the quarters to come. Great. Thanks. Your next question comes from Paul Trever from RBC Capital. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, thanks very much and good morning. Uh, Jesse, you, you commented that you know the um, the structural organic growth uh, is perhaps higher than than historically. You know, does that change the prioritization of acquisitions here? Um, in other words, I mean, with faster organic growth. Um, and also gaining a, a greater footprint with existing clients. Like, is it is it as much of a necessity to um, accelerate the, the pace of acquisitions? How do you think about that here? Yeah, I actually think it's the perfect time to accelerate the uh, the pace of the of the M and A because again, what the M and A does, we have a very different uh, viewpoint. We're looking for uh, quality client acquisitions. That's part of the, what we do. Of course, we get a lot of very strong capabilities that come with those type of, uh, of acquisitions, but we're really looking for new clients to, to bring in. So given the fact that we are doing, uh, uh, we're getting the organic growth of the existing clients and achieving some new clients on, on the organic side, we want to accelerate that with a buy. So uh, we, we've got a very active pipeline. We've improved our sourcing. Uh, you see that we just did two in parallel. That's the uh, that's the idea is we increase that uh, increase that pace and uh, the investments we made. And we didn't talk about this, but we did make investments in uh, the capacity to drive more velocity. And you're starting to see that come through. And could you speak to the the size of potential acquisitions? There was a a, a news article, a media article in August, I think that mentioned uh, or that quoted, and maybe they misquoted, but they uh, they, they they mentioned Francois said that you're looking at some pretty large acquisition targets. Can you just elaborate on that or clarify that? Yeah, well, we're always looking for some large ones. If you uh, you recall, we have the uh, the metro market uh, acquisition policy, but we're also looking for the transformational ones. Uh, given valuations that hasn't been uh, that hasn't been as uh, as achievable as of late, uh, and then of course we paused uh, during the uh, the pandemic for a while there. But uh, uh, that's always been we have the appetite for that. We have the uh, we certainly have the balance sheet, which I'm sure uh, one of the things that Francois was talking about, um, and uh, and that's uh, that's kind of uh, still on the uh, on the on the docket. There are fewer of them, and there are fewer of them that uh, that makes uh, makes sense for CGI. But we'll we'll always be uh, we'll always be looking at that. I also mentioned that we're also looking at larger metro market uh, acquisitions. So you saw that in uh, in the CMC acquisition, and and even Array uh, larger than the average we've done over the last uh, 24 months. Uh, you should expect to see more of that as well. And just on just elaborating on like the, the the quality versus valuation spectrum, are there areas where you're looking to flex on either of those? And with the 
digital transformation initiatives, like would there be areas that you would be willing to go into that are, you know, non-traditional IT services? So things maybe more like, you know, in the BPO area, you know, content moderation, things like that, that traditionally you haven't looked at. Yeah, I think there are some adjacencies that we are, in fact, uh, looking at, Paul, and I think it's a, it's a good question as the uh, as the market uh, continues to digitization continues to converge some of these uh, these elements together. So uh, uh, that is uh, strategically something that we're looking at and opening the aperture, if you will, for uh, for some uh, some of the acquisition targets that we wouldn't have necessarily. Uh, qualified for in uh, in previous years. So yes, that is something we're looking at. Yeah, thank you. I'll pass on. Yep. Your next question comes from Stephanie Price from CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Good morning. Hi, Stephanie. I'm you to talk a little bit about the pricing environment and, and maybe your ability to pass on some potential wage or cost inflation here. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good question because obviously uh, wages are um, are are being uh, increased in in across many different industries and given the supply and demand situation, you know we we uh, we look at it this way the the value proposition for the digitization services and the types of projects that I listed off just a, a few examples in my uh, in my remarks they have a real business case and I even mentioned you know we look at it there's the leaders are getting more out of these digital projects, and we're seeing everybody get sharper about what they want to do there. They're focused on the on the business outcome. They're not focused on the business inputs. And uh, of course, our clients, like everybody else, realize uh, what's going on in supply and demand, and they want the best people on their projects. So that's a long way of saying, yes, we are able to uh, to achieve and pass on any uh, any wage uh, increases in the rates, and that's not just for new projects. Um, we have uh, those clauses in uh, most of our existing contracts uh, tied to, to things like consumer price index and, and inflation rates. So um, we're able to support that, and all you have to do is look at the uh, the margins uh, that we're able to achieve uh, uh, as we continue to grow in this high demand market to, to see that that in fact is happening. Great, great. And then obviously a very strong environment here. Just curious what you're hearing from clients in terms of spending priorities and, and 2022 budgeting. Yeah, um, again, the, the priorities are, are many of the areas that I rattled off uh, around modernization, about uh, uh, moving uh, to a more agile environment, which, uh, which includes elements of things like cloud, that's the technology, but it's really about moving to an agile environment and uh, and being more digitized on a holistic basis. So those, those are the priorities we're looking at. And then, of course, how they can leverage the, the technologies, the various technologies, whether it's machine learning, whether it's uh, uh, cloud, whether it's uh, AI, et cetera, uh, to, to help them achieve those goals. The other one I would say, Stephanie, that we're hearing more and more, and of course with uh, COP26 it's pretty loud, is really around sustainability. And it comes up in every client meeting I have, whether it's a financial institution, whether it's manufacturing. Uh, of course, with the energy companies, it's front and center. It is, a, and even the retailers, it's a discussion that, uh, that we have. And of course, uh, with our IP centered on the all-important element of data, uh, that's, where, uh, that's where we see a lot of demand and opportunity moving forward. And maybe more broadly, and maybe building on, on the answer to this, that last question, when you think about doubling the size of the business, can you talk a bit about where you see those major sources of incremental revenue coming from? Uh, of the incremental revenue, well, again, yeah. a lot of it's playing. Yeah, a lot of it's playing into the to the demand you see. Uh, I answered uh, Paul's question. Some of it, I think, as you see some of this convergence, there is opportunities for us to add more to uh, to our IP around uh, the business process side. There is opportunities for us to move into the, the, the convergence, what we see on the Internet of Things and for manufacturers and get into some of what previously might have been referred to as engineering services. Uh, so I think those are some of the opportunities for us to grow. And, of course, we'll do that as a balanced uh, build, but also uh, looking to buy. Perfect. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Daniel Chan from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. 
Hi, good morning. Uh, with the uh, increased wage and uh, wage environment, any thoughts on changing up your mix of staffing um, to potentially increase it more in low cost areas or, or near shore areas? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, and I, I, I kind of threw this into one of my previous answers, but uh, yes, we are actually uh, growing faster in our global delivery centers of excellence around the world, and uh, we'll continue to do that. CMC comes with some, uh, some global delivery centers in areas that we didn't have before. We are seeing uh, uptake for that from, uh, from our clients. And again, it's not just offshore. In fact, uh, it really is, uh, I think, the, the model that we have on global delivery is, is playing very well uh, in, in tapping some, some talent in other locations, but still closer to time zones and closer to, uh, to clients. So kind of a, a mix between proximity and offshore. It's playing very well, and uh, we expect to continue to grow there. Thanks. That's helpful. Um, yep. You mentioned that you had some uh, CPI adjustments built into your contracts. Can you just remind us of the mechanics around that? Does that usually happen around the renewals, or can you kind of go uh, while the project is still running uh, if there are some no, thresholds that are met? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Typically, uh, uh, they run on uh, either a contract uh, annual basis or sometimes a calendar annual basis and other times the client's fiscal year annual basis. So uh, some combination. So there's no, you know, you're not going to see one uptick, but we don't have to wait uh, for the end of the of the contract renewal. Francois, anything? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, most of our contract, if it's not the, uh, the vast majority, you, you, we have a co-lock clause in the, in the contract so that we can uh, increase uh, at least on an annual basis. Okay, that's good to hear. And then last one for me, um, I know bookings can be a very volatile metric, but can you kind of comment on the low bookings in this quarter relative to a strong market backdrop? Just wonder if there's anything there. Thank you. Yeah, and, and thanks for mentioning that uh, the, the bookings are always uh, lumpy in general, which is why we really focus on the trailing 12. But uh, a few larger deals, uh, one in particular did push out of the, uh, of the quarter. Uh, it's one. But uh, but not signed, and of course uh, we need to make sure that we uh, that we dot all the i's and cross all the t's, and so we're not uh, we're not too fussed about any one quarter. But uh, but certainly we had strong IP bookings, strong consulting bookings, and uh, the new business is up. And uh, you know, and some of that is we did some of the big renewals in certain locations like Canada earlier in the year. That's good news because now you see the the bookings are really going to be driving uh, nearer term growth. So. That's uh, that's kind of how I look at the bookings right now. So uh, nothing nothing to be too concerned about. Your next question comes from Kevin Krishnaratne from Desjardins. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, uh, gentlemen. Uh, question for you. you: You talked about how your uh, SaaS-based IP revenue was was up strong, and uh, you alluded to, to cloud growth there as well. Is there a way? Um, you can give us perhaps the, the size of the cloud business uh, right now for you or maybe another way, uh, any, any thoughts on how penetrated you are um, in the cloud, your, what your customers are saying about where they are on the journey, just any, any updated thoughts there on the cloud business? Yeah, thanks for the question. Uh, we don't break it out. Uh, that's why I gave some of the, uh, the color commentary on some of the deals, and you see that probably two-thirds of the deals I mentioned um, some, some element of the of the cloud involved there. Uh, I also mentioned, uh, I think, uh, last quarter that uh, we've elevated uh, the uh, partnerships with each of the major cloud providers. Uh, a direct report of mine owns each of those uh, engagements. So, because we see a lot of opportunity in general from a market perspective, there's still a lot of uh, of applications not on the cloud that uh, could take uh, advantage of the opportunities of the cloud. And of course, there's a lot of work between here and now. It's not just, uh, you don't just flick a switch in the, in the cloud work. So um, that's why the partnerships with the cloud providers uh, we see as a big opportunity. We don't break it out that way, but, uh, but that's something that, uh, that we have. And of course, we have, uh, as I mentioned, the, the SaaS revenue for our own IP is, uh, is going, up, uh, going up as well. That's now over half of our um, IP now is uh, is uh, bookings are in the uh, on a SaaS based uh, basis. I know that because that's our own IP. 
Gotcha. Okay, that that's all. That kind of goes to my next question on competition. I'm wondering if you could talk about, uh, you know, if there's been any any change, any material change, how your win rates are progressing. You, you talked about, uh, you know, the consulting uh, based revenue, uh, you know, has been doing well and accelerating. Just curious to know, you know, what you're doing, what you're seeing, how you're winning business, um, you know, how you bring your IP into uh, to the table to to win those deals. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, we made some investments on the IP, and I mentioned that uh, better leveraging our global footprint as a channel for the IP. So that's that uh, a highlight I gave on the 50% uh, increase in acquired IP. But what I didn't say is that uh, the deal size and the pipeline for our IP is going up, and that's through partly through linking some of those IPs together, uh, along with some of our other services, including consulting and BPO. And then the win rate is increasing. So we're leveraging our global IP subject matter experts better across the company by bringing it into that global uh, global footprint. So uh, that's what I, that, so the win rate is actually increasing with our IP, and it's uh, and it's uh, holding steady across the uh, across the company. Okay, that's super great. Great to hear. One one last one. Um, look, on supply chain, I know that, you know, there's obviously no direct implications given, you know, your, your business software cloud-based, but just wondering if you're seeing any sort of indirect exposure, for example, uh, if there might be a deployment for an IoT project or, you know, you're working on uh, with a client um, on a deployment that requires a lot of devices on their end. Is there any, any sort of, uh, you know, timing delays that you might be seeing or being impacted yeah. from anything? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. You're right. There's not uh, there's not direct, but there is uh, there is pockets of indirect, but it's it's pretty uh, it, it's pretty limited right now. But we do see it. Um, so uh, uh, something that we continue to look at. A lot of our clients are enterprise clients, as you know, and they tend to have the power right now, and uh, and so they've done uh, they've actually managed it quite well. Uh, very. Uh, very impressed with how our clients have managed some of this, but we do see pockets of it uh, popping up, and uh, we're, we're keeping uh, we're keeping an eye on that. Um, hasn't delayed any of our projects, maybe delayed some of our, um, our revenue in certain places, but again, just pockets. Great, thanks a lot. I'll pass the line. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Rob Young from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Uh, good morning. Uh, you just said a little bit ago that consulting bookings were uh, quite strong. And so I was looking at the absolute dollar contribution from SI and C. It seems low going back a little ways. And so I'm just trying to reconcile that statement. Yeah. Is that short-term signings? I mean, any kind of color around what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm breaking out consulting from systems integration. And I had mentioned earlier that uh, some of that systems integration work we're now embedding into those managed services contracts. So that continues to be uh, continues to be a trend. In fact, it's part of the offering, the way we offer our managed services. How do I save some money on, on, on one side and then spend that money in, in traditional systems integration? So you're seeing that we're even seeing that in some of our uh, local uh, government work, where we uh, extend a managed services contract and then the, uh, the system integration, which is near-term spend, but it's under the umbrella of the managed services, so it shows in the managed services uh, revenue. So that's, uh, I think that's what you're seeing, but discrete consulting projects are up, both in bookings and in revenue. Uh, I mentioned uh, some of that's in uh, digital advisory, a lot of that's in change management. And again, this is really good because it's a discrete consulting, which then may lead to that broader systems integration wrapped in managed services. So that's uh, that's why I highlighted that. Okay, thanks. That's great color. And then, I mean, a lot of comments on the call today about um, the uh, the hiring. And uh, I think you earlier said that utilization was very high, a very strong contributor to margins this quarter. And so, I mean, if you stand back and look at the business, are you? seeing constraints related to capacity or would you say it's it because it doesn't sound like there's demand constraints and just i mean to better understand the business are you able to la you know ratchet up you know your consultants you're able to hire in lockstep with the demand that you're seeing out there or would you say capacity growth is a constraint we have been uh thanks for the question we have been uh, able to uh 
to keep up, but uh, it, is a, it is an intense environment, as I mentioned. Uh, maybe just give you some color uh, commentary. You know, a third of our uh, new hires come through those uh, referrals that I mentioned, or 30%. Uh, about a third come to us and actually inbound. Um, so we advertise and, uh, you know, with the movement, uh, actually people are looking to move uh, to uh, companies like CGI. And so about a third of them are coming from uh, coming in. And so a third is coming from that outreach. And so we've increased our rec recruiting uh, a twofold to, to ensure that we keep up with that. Uh, I'm not going to say that that's not uh, still intense, and, uh, and we continue to, uh, to increase that. That's a good news. Um, but, uh, but again, that's also where we need to, uh, to focus on the retention, which I mentioned uh, earlier, and our high engagement, our culture, and, um, and uh, what we're doing there on the training and development are helping us to keep up with that. I'd also mention one other statistic. Our, our, um, our hiring has increased, but our acceptance rate has held at, uh, at above 80%, which is, uh, which is very uh, positive, saying that we're able to not just attract, but, uh, but to get the acceptance from those that we uh, choose to make offers to. Okay, that's great. And maybe last question. I uh, use the yeah. uh, the term technology debt. I really like that term, sort of bleeding into the tech lexicon here. Um, would you, uh, when you look at your customer mix, would you say that relative to other your peers and you know in the space, would you say that your customers lean a little towards you know those that would have technology debt, or would you say that uh, your mix is less than some of your peers? No, I would I would say it's it's on par. I I haven't every every industry, every uh, geography, and and most clients have some technology debt, and so I think it's just a matter of uh, of, of like I said, uh, helping them uh, work through that. And remember, you know, the technology debt is is uh, increasing just by the very nature of uh, of what's going on in the marketplace. So it might not be. You know, debt that's 30 years old. It might be debt that was uh, that wasn't there five years ago. But now, as you move to more agile uh, DevOps type environment, uh, you, you got to make some of those changes. So we're seeing our clients uh, move uh, very quickly um, along with the well, along with the marketplace. Are there any end, end markets where it's more pronounced, like regions um, or? You know, well, you know, there's there's market. always uh, there's always uh, regional differences um, uh, across this. Uh, you know, Europe might be a little ahead in one area, whereas North America might be a little ahead in a different area. And so, this is the richness of bringing our global insights and being able to to do that uh, across regions and also across industries. As one industry moves to more of a uh, a customer facing environment that they weren't in before, they can learn from another industry. So. Uh, you know, not not a pronounced way, but certainly an opportunity for a global consulting firm to help our clients across the globe. All right, thanks. Yep. Your last question comes from Howard Lung from Veritas Investment Research. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Great. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my questions. Uh, the, uh, the first one I have is on, um, on on the leases and just overall how you view uh, workers you know, going back to the office or, or staying staying remote, um, you know, saw that there was a gain on, on lease termination and, and uh, also the lease liabilities. I think they were down, you know, something like 12% from last year. Is, is that, is your plan to kind of continue winding down some of these leases? Uh, and, um, you know, with all the questions before about, you know, hiring workers, yep. how does that fit in with, with your, uh, your, your view about re retaining or attracting talent? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll let uh, Francois talk a little bit about the leases, but but just in general, um, you know, when we look at uh, when we look at our talent and what we are doing to, uh, on behalf of our our clients and working with our clients, we find it's uh, it's it's there's it's important to spend some time working with your colleagues and some time working with your clients, and so uh, we we do believe that there will be a return. Uh, to the office, we're up to uh, about 25% uh, if you take out India, probably 30% uh, of our uh, employees now spending some time in the office, uh, more pronounced in Europe, where it's 50% uh, in some cases uh, higher, uh, a little bit of a, uh, of a lag in North America, 
uh, including in Canada, but we're beginning that uh, return uh, in Canada in uh, November, and even beginning the return in India in January. We think that's important for innovation. We think that's important for um, for uh, mentoring, uh, which is what people are looking for as far as growing their careers. Um, having said that, of course, uh, we also recognize that uh, people were very productive during the uh, the pandemic in, uh, in in some of the work that they're doing, and so uh, it really is, uh, we believe, a, a hybrid. Uh, at least for the for the current um, environment, is one that uh, we'll we'll continue to look at. So. To the leases, uh, yeah. yeah, we're we're looking at hybrid, right? Yeah, so exactly. So that's why, in the meantime, uh, our renewal, what we're doing is that we're, we're reducing the number of years, so uh, and going a little bit on, more on short-term leases than you know signing seven or ten or fifteen years leases, just to understand also where the market is going, and and like uh, George is saying, since uh, for now we're to a certain hybrid model, uh, until we'll have a better visibility when. Uh, people will come back on a full base uh, basis. Uh, for now, uh, we're going with shorter lease and, and sometimes even uh, uh, non-renewing some leases uh, in the meantime. Right, great. No, that that's really helpful. And any, um, I guess maybe maybe it might be too early to call out, you know, what kind of impact that could have on your adjusted EBIT or free cash flow margins uh, going forward. But for the EBIT uh, margin, uh, like George alluded, I think uh, you know we had strong EBIT margin uh, this quarter, this year, over the 16%. I think we still have some opportunity to increase it. Uh, with example, like we're seeing Scandinavia, that the, the expectation is that we would see improvement on on the EBIT margin in these uh, in this area. But on the, on the other hand, also uh, with the return back, uh, the fact that we're meeting clients more and more now uh, at present. Uh, you know, uh, some of the uh, travel uh, and, and out-of-pocket expenses are coming back in. So that will be naturally a, a headwind, uh, but again, uh, compensate by, by improvement that we can still see in, in, the, uh, in the operations. That's great. That's great. Um, and then just one on M&A, uh, George, I, you mentioned earlier that um, you're, uh, you're investing more in M&A now. Um, and you invest more in the capacity. Just wanted to see if there's any more color on that. You know, is, is that, you know, increasing the size of the M&A team, you know, software uh, for M&A, infrastructure, um, or the process? Just want to, you know, find out how, how it's expanded. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a very good uh, question because it's yes to everything you just said. It's, uh, it's increasing the, the team size, particularly uh, across each of the markets, so not just centralized, but adding uh, individuals dedicated M&A within each of the uh, proximities closer to the uh, sourcing. It's, uh, it's leveraging some infrastructure, some, uh, some various uh, software platforms to ensure that we're, we're seeing all the deals. And then it's also some, uh, some changes to the process. So it's, it's really all of the above. Okay. Okay. No, that's, that's great. And, and just one final one for me, saw that buybacks in the quarter, uh, I think, slow down, uh, tick down quite a bit from the previous quarter. Was that just, you know, does that have anything to do with the price or maybe just because you were going through the bond offering? Um, just want to know if there was anything to call out there. Yeah, no, nothing related to the price. Uh, you know, we yes, we did work on the bond offering, but again, that was not necessarily having an impact of, of why we didn't go or go on the market. But also the fact that uh, you know we had some uh, good momentum on the on the acquisition and finally closed two uh, new ones. Uh, you know October it was was close to even close them in September, so uh, that was also part of the equation why uh, we were slowing down some share buyback uh, in in the quarter. Again, you know just to reiterate our priorities investing back in the business, and the second priority is M and A. And the, 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 the share buyback is the third one, uh, naturally. So, so uh, last year we had only two acquisitions, but this year the momentum is, is, uh, is, is very good, starting with the two new one in October uh, and hoping that we'll have uh, more in the, in the year. Thanks. Thank, thanks so much. That, uh, that priority makes sense. I'll uh, turn it back. You. We, we have no further questions in queue. I'd like to turn the call back over to Mayor Yagi for closing remarks. 
Thank you, Julianne, and uh, lots of great questions, guys. Uh, thank you, everyone, for participating on this call. Uh, we hope that you will join us uh, for our Investor Day on November 22nd, just a reminder, and please put it in your calendar. We hope uh, that you can uh, join us then. And a uh, reminder that the replay of the call will be available either via our website or by dialing 1-800-770-2030. And using the passcode 8986313. As well, a podcast of this call will be available for download within a few hours. And follow up questions can be directed to me at 514 415 3651. Hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.